you were here last Sunday, I explained to you why we do what we do and have been doing from the uh, beginning of the year. So the question is, where are we supposed to be turning to? Right, right. So, so I'm guessing some of you might already start turning there and I don't even have to say it anymore, right? Or some of you have already memorized it because we, uh, we do it... Um, You know what, there's, right, right, see? See, I, I often uh, comment about how we do church in, in the United States particularly and how we're always supposed to do something new or something new. And, and that, that even trickles down as you're turning there. That even trickles down to worship. Because sometimes on the worship teams, right, uh, if we're not careful, there's this concern that every Sunday we have to do a new set. Every Sunday we have to do new songs. Every Sunday, right? And, and this came up years and years ago when I was at another church. And, and I had to share with the worship team because they, they, they really wanted to push, push. And, I, and I, I'm all for bringing out the new stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't do that. But I said I wanted to give them perspective. And I said, let me, let me give you perspective here, guys. So we prep. And part of the challenge with the worship team is to prep like we prep on Thursdays is we, we play these songs, sing these songs 10 plus times. So, you know, some of these songs, Praise Out and I, in the last six years, we've probably done that over, I don't know, 50 to 100 times, right? So if we're not careful, in our world, it's old. In our world, it's played out. And I'm like, okay, guys, time out. Again, this was at a different church. I said, let me give you perspective. When we play a set and we plan a set, understand this. If someone is faithful to come to church every Sunday, Right? Every Sunday of, of the year, let's, right? Perfect attendance, star. Right? Perfect attendance certificate. Right? So I'll bring it down to a month. If someone comes to church every Sunday for a month, how many times will they actually come? Four. Four. So when we do a worship set, if you all come faithfully every Sunday in a month, how many times have you heard that set? Only four times. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we just got to slow down. We got to slow down because sometimes we, we, we bring out a song and then we tuck it away and you're like, I was just learning it and you never play it again. Well, for us, we played it three times. Well, that's three weeks in a row. That's too much, right? For us, because we played it probably 30, 40 times to prep it for three times for you. Once <laughs> during service. So, so I just want to encourage you, part of our, our philosophy and our heart here is we slow things down because we understand really the dynamics of church. That when we bring out a song or we do a set, man, if you guys are faithful, every Sunday, if we started taking attendance and had you put your names up on there and put a little star every Sunday you came, right? If you came every Sunday, out of 365 days, I'd see you 52 times. You get what I'm saying? So that's, that's why we're, we're more about quality here. We want to we say, okay, Lord, let's, let, when we worship, let's just not bring stuff out and go new, go new, go new, go new. Let's bring stuff out and let's worship together till it becomes worship. Because there's a learning curve. How many of you enjoy what we would call an old school song, but you know it so well you don't even have to look at the screen? You put your hands up. You're like, oh, Lord, I'm singing from here. Right? And there's, there's just time. There's just time. And so I just want you to understand 
we're very sensitive, and there's not, you know, it's kind of a, a challenge for us, and even like I've shared with, with sermons, it's always something new, always something new. And I'm like, no, you know, let, I call it marinate. Let's just camp and marinate there for a while. You know, so it goes from here, and you stay there long enough, and it starts to come down here, and here, and here, and here. That's, that's, that's what we're to do. The Bible says, we're, you know, there's biblical meditation. You know what the word, the word picture for biblical meditation is? A cow chewing its cud. That's what it means to biblically meditate, right? What does a cow do? Oh, look! Oh, look! Why does a cow do that? To get all the nutrients out of that particular quantity. See, the first time through, he doesn't get everything. The second time through still doesn't get everything. There is a purpose for that same quantity going down and up. Because each time it goes down and up, he gets more out of it. Or she. I don't know what kind of cow it is, right? (laughs) So when we do a verse, when we look at a passage of Scripture, a one-shot deal, God can move, but there's usually a whole lot more. There's usually a whole lot more on the second, third, fourth time down the chute. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's our heart for worship. That's our heart why we kind of camp places. It's like because it's like biblical meditation. It goes down and up, down and up, down and up. And every time I believe if you're meditating and you're open, God's going to speak to you. And you're going to go, how many of you have ever had a verse? And you're like, I never saw it that way. And you're like, really? That's what that means? Because that was like the tenth time it went down and up. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So, so we're not in a rush here. So we're at Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you know it by heart, say it by heart. Right? I am going to read it, though. Okay? <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, thank You that You do desire transformation. And in fact, it says be transformed. So literally, we are transformed by You. Supernaturally, as we hear, as we appropriate, as we obey. And so, Father, thank you that you're not in a rush either. For you know each person here. And, Father, you know where we are in our transformation process. You know the victories we celebrate. You also know the areas, even as we sit here, where we are being challenged. Challenged to trust. Challenged to submit. Challenged to obey. Challenged to exercise faith. And so, Father, my prayer for us is that uh, You would speak to us through Your Word once again. And, Lord, we would leave here having heard You, desiring to put into action what You what you say for each one of us. And through that, Lord, you would continue to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. Amen.
when we uh, first arrived in Ojai about 17 years ago now, um, we found out that uh, there was a Kempo offered down in Oakview. You guys know Mr. G? I love Mr. G down in Oakview. And so we enrolled all our kids in Kempo and we would go down there and uh, we'd go down to classes, get the uniforms and everything. And, and you know, if you take martial arts, there's always drills and there's always, you know, commitment and, and disciplines you have to do. And one of uh, Mr. G's favorite sayings, he would say this, if getting a black belt was easy, everybody would have one. Right? And he would often say that at strategic times when you're in a drill and you're like, okay, why are we doing this? And, you know, or, you, know you just kind of get a vibe. And he'd say, if getting a black belt was easy, everybody would have one. Right? Because he's talking about discipline and commitment. And, you know, all the people that start at white belts and very few make it to black belt. Right? Because there's a lot involved in that process. There's time and, and discipline and skill and all that. And I thought of that in light of transformation. If transformation was easy, we'd all be walking on water. <laughs> right? If transformation was easy, we'd be whistling down. <laughs> but is it? Oh, no. It's not. In fact, I bet some of us still feel like we got the white belts on. How many feel like a white belt? Yellow belts? Anybody got the green belt here? Right? Any black belts? Ah, she says Doris. <laughs> right? Right? If transformation was easy, everybody would be right up there, right? But it's not. It's not. It could be painful. And why is that? Why is that? And I want to look at that today. Should I put, the, um, put that first slide up? This was a slide that was an announcement of the, of the new church building. And I shared last week, you know, that cross that's there right now, uh, our plan is to keep that there for two primary reasons. One, it's a statement about what we believe. We're, we are people of the cross. Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. So anyone driving by? Anyone goes to Google Maps? Without even a name, you know what that people, that, that fellowship there, worship there, stand for, the cross, Right? Also, so that's at the corporate level, at the individual level, turn to Mark 8. Mark 8. That cross also reminds me and will remind us of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be in transformation. Mark 8, verse 34. So, that church in front of the cross, hey, wow, that must be a Christian church. The people there must be people of the cross, right? That's what we stand for. It's a theological statement, a very powerful statement if you think about the condition of the world. That's a bold statement. That's a very bold statement, okay? Mark 8, 34 says this. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, this is Jesus talking, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. And I've shared with you before, you know, that that symbol, the cross, back in Jesus' day was much more than a piece of jewelry, was much more than architecture, 
when Jesus said this, his listeners had a, oh, really moment. Is he serious? Because the cross in that culture was used by the Romans to torture and murder. And when you said the word cross, it literally meant death. So when Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoo! That was heavy. That was a powerful, heavy-duty statement on the front end. You see, this was Jesus saying, hey, if you want to follow me, here's the cost. And I want to be real upfront with you. I'm not going to candy coat it. I'm not going to like bait and switch you and say, hey, come to me. You're going to be happy. You have more friends and kind of like reel you in. And then suddenly down the road and say, hey, by the way, here's a cross. He didn't bait and switch. He said, hey, on the front end, if you want to follow me, you got to take you got to take a cross. And I got to believe that the seriousness of, of that statement oh, really caused some people to think or challenge. Another version, a couple other versions. Listen to this. The New Living Translation says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. The Phillips New Testament says this. Then he called his disciples and the people around him and said to them, if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, here it is, he must give up all right to himself. Take up his cross and follow me. So the New Living says, turn from your selfish ways. The Phillips translation says, you must give up all right. All the right. To yourself. See, I think that 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 last translation probably resonates more with us in our culture, because we're all about our rights. We're all about my rights. It's individual rights. I have the right. I have the right. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. And then we come into church and we decide how much we want to give God. Oh, we'll raise our hands and Amen. It's all God's. Everything belongs to God until He says, "Can I have it?" Can I have it? What, what, what's the title of the message? Look on the front of your bulletin. What's it say? You want that too? You want that too? Right? You must give up all right to yourself. See, some of you have more of a huh, 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 than the cross is a sign of death. Because we worked really hard to get my stuff. I worked really hard for this. And now Jesus says, I've got to give it all up? Ugh, see, some of us are more challenged with that than the early church about that being a symbol of death. Because we hold on to things tenaciously. Tenaciously in our culture. Because it's mine, and I worked hard for it. And nobody can take it. And I'm going to build a wall, and I'm going to put bars on my house. And I'm going to get all kinds of stuff. Why? Because it's mine, mine, mine. Then you come to Jesus, 
And you decide in the church, okay, what do I want to give him? What do I want to give him? You know, and you start bargaining. Start bargaining. And in a good way, okay, take this the right way. You might decide, okay, Lord, I'm going to start giving up. I want to give up things. I want to give up this. And you might, in your walk with the Lord, have given up a lot. I'm not saying you haven't. Maybe 90%. So over the years you've been walking with Jesus, He's been challenging you and we've been walking by faith. And 90%, maybe you're 90. But all of a sudden you're like, I'm kind of, I'm feeling kind of stuck, Lord. I call it neutral, right? Maybe the reason you're kind of feeling stuck. You're feeling kind of in a wilderness. You're feeling kind of dry. Maybe even feeling like, oh, I don't know. Maybe because God's like, hey, you know that other ten? It's time. See, what happens in our sanctification process, if we're not careful, we, we get to a certain point and we're like, I'm good. God's done some great things in my life. I've surrendered almost everything. And then the challenge comes. Hey. Hey. Remember that thing in Mark 8:34 about taking up your cross? I'm here to collect the last 10. And then we are challenged. And then we are presented with a wonderful opportunity. And here's the wonderful opportunity to be transformed. To be transformed. Because here's Here's the process of transformation. The process of transformation is not doing a bunch of more stuff. That is not what transformation is about. Transformation is, okay, here it is. The core, the root of transformation and why we're struggling, why some of you are struggling, why I struggle, is that as we walk with Jesus, as we desire to be transformed, he peels back layers and layers and he says, I need you to surrender more. I want you to surrender more. Keep walking with me. Keep trusting me. But I'm asking you to keep surrendering yourself. 90% great. Now we're going to 91. Not all the way to 100 because we're going to camp because 91 is a real sticky one. So some of you might have done the 90 and you're, you know what? You're feeling really bad right now because, man, I feel stuck. Man, I feel dry. Man, I, you know what? Flip that. You're just at the you're just at a wonderful place where God's like, all right, Thelma, it's time for ninety-one. Let's work on ninety-one percent, Thelma. Because Thelma, you're a godly woman. And you've done a lot. But Thelma, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. There's no retirement. So Thelma, it's time for ninety-one. Right? He wants to nudge us in transformation even one more percent of surrender. One more percent of something you're holding on to that he says, no, surrender that. Yield that to me and watch what happens in you. In you. So we get challenged, right, by this. We get to a certain level. Lord, I give you this. I give you this. I give you this. Oh, you want that too? But Jesus, 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 Jesus. Buddy, old pal, old friend, come on, I serve, I give, I'm going to Mexico. You want that too? Come on, Jesus, how much do you want? Ah. 
How much does he want? All of it. I surrender all. How many know that song? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. All to thee. Does that include 91%, Cindy? Is that 91? Huh? We sing the song, I surrender all to thee, I freely give. You want that too? You want that too? You see what happens? Transformation is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of surrender, submission, trust. And here's the thing, guys. Here's why it's really, really challenging and why going to, from 90 to 91 may take a while. Here, because we're confronted with some, with some profound heart issues. And let me give you some. Let me give you some. When Jesus comes along and says, hey, yeah, I want that too. Here's some of the things that you may and I am challenged with when it comes to surrender. Past failures. Past failures. You might have false or faulty beliefs, doctrine, worldview. He might be challenging you to break out of the familiar routine. You might be focused on your own faults, your own limitations. You just might be consumed with fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of the unknown. You might have some pretty fixed opinions about things. And even God can't change your mind. Right? You remember when Jesus told his boys, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to raise to the dead. What did Peter say? Not so, Lord. And the Bible says he began to rebuke Jesus. Some of us have really fixed and firm opinions about things that even Jesus can't change our mind. Right? Why is it challenging to give it all up? Because you're used to figuring it out all on your own. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But you're just used to figuring it out. Making it work. Why is it hard to give up that maybe the next step? Quite honestly, you're having fun. You're just having fun right now. Life is good. You enjoy sort of the percentage that you've decided to give Jesus. It works for you. It works for your lifestyle. And quite honestly, you're just having fun right now. You're just enjoying life. And this whole thing about following Jesus and taking up my cross and all that, eh, kind of too churchy for me. I'm kind of having fun right now. Church fits my lifestyle. So you got failures, false beliefs, challenge with the familiar, your own faults, your fears, fixed opinions, you're having fun, used to figuring it out. Anyone? You see, here's the thing. If you are being challenged to take a step of faith, step of transformation, and you're struggling with it right now, go down that list. And ask God to reveal to you what the real heart issue is. 
we, we fixate on changing behavior. It's not about behavior. Go down that list. Are, God's challenging. I want that too. Are you just scared to give it up? Are you just scared? Are you just terrified? Are you, are, are you, are you unwilling to break with your familiar routine? Are you willing to admit that your fixed opinion might be wrong? You just might be wrong. Right? Are you willing to give up you figuring everything out? You see, it's a hard issue. So when Jesus comes knocking for that next percentage of surrender, don't fixate on the thing he wants. Fixate on why you're not willing to give it up. Why aren't you willing to give it up? And once you identify it, then you can surrender it. See, a lot of us, here's the thing, guys. A lot of us, how many desire to be transformed? Honestly. How many of you know how far you, how, how far you fall short? How many of you can be your own worst critic? So here's the thing. We know Scripture. Many of you know Scripture. You know certain things you're to be walking by faith and obedience in, right? You know that. But you also know where you're not doing that so well. Amen? The missing link in your transformation is you were focused on the behavior and not your heart. And not asking the Lord to say, Lord, can you show me my heart? Am I fearful? Am I focused on failures? Am I, what is it that is creating this sort of rebellion? Rebellion. Here's, there's a quote by Henry David Thoreau, right? It says, The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Right? And he's, it's kind of like a philosophical, secular quote, and people talk about the futility of life. I was thinking of that, and I asked myself this question. How many Christians lead lives of quiet discouragement? How many Christians, how many of us in this room, deep down, are leading a life of quiet discouragement? And you know what I mean by that? You're focused on, man, I blew it again. Man, I fall short. Man, God must be bummed at me. Man, man, man. And you're holding stuff back. And you know what? Deep down, you show up at church and you sing the songs and you smile and all this, but deep down you're just kind of deeply discouraged. You're bummed. You're in this kind of have this deep attitude of rebellion, hidden deep rebellion. You're good at 90%. That 91 is this seed of rebellion in your heart, and it's bumming you out. Because Jesus is like, yeah, I want that too. And you're like, no, no, no. And deep down, you're buried it, but you're discouraged. You might be bummed out spiritually. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because then you become hardened. Then you can become numb. Then you can begin to withdraw even from the body of Christ. All because there's this seed in you where Jesus is like, yeah, I want that 1%. Give me, take that next 1%. I want, to give, I want that 1%. And you're like, ugh, ugh, ugh. And you're like, deep down, you're pushing back, and you're like, get off me, get off me. I gave you 90, get off me. And that deep down bums you out. You're struggling. The struggle then to even come to church, because coming to church just makes you feel worse. 
And you don't go to men's group. And you go to women's Bible study. Why? Because you're around all the people who look like they got it all together. And you don't want to show up because you know deep down you're struggling. And it just makes you feel worse. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Right? And, and, and we've got to resolve this, guys. We've we got to come clean and we've got to resolve this. Because if we don't, not only does it create a barrier between you and God, where you feel like God is bummed on you and you're bummed on God, it goes this way. Suddenly you're bummed on the church. Suddenly you're bummed on the church and bummed on other Christians. Oh, they're all hypocrites over there. They go there and raise their hands. Suddenly you're casting stones and throwing rocks at the church when it's your own heart that's messed up. You're in rebellion. You're angry at God because he wants all of it. And suddenly, you don't want to own it, so you just start throwing rocks at the church. And the people at the church, oh, they're so clicky. OBCF, those ladies, they're so clicky. What are you talking about? They are the most loving. I mean, this, this happened. This happened years ago. I heard this about you. Oh, yeah, see? <laughs> Whoa, little leg. What are you talking about? I'm going to be honest with you. I heard this about the ladies at the church, and I was like, no, you are wrong. This one lady said she would not come back. She told me this. She would not come back because the ladies at this church were clicky. I'm like, what church are you going to? She never did anything to try to engage. She was so scared, whatever. She never, she never engaged with the ladies, so she just threw back, stood back and threw stones at the ladies. It's an issue of our own hearts. It wasn't you. Right, Linda? It wasn't you. No, no. But that's what can happen. That's what can happen at the heart level with our relationship with God and our relationship with others. When we, when we say, yes, I surrender all, and he comes for that next 1%, and you're like, hmm, let me think of it. It affects, guys. It does. It puts you in bondage. It can, it, can, it can put you in a tailspin with God, with the church, with everything. That's where we are. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And then here's the crazy thing. If you go to a church where that's kind of the norm, Right? Where people are kind of like, okay, transformation, let's just put on a front and let's just all look good. Right? Let's just all look good. Then you get whole churches that kind of operate that way. Everyone comes on a Sunday. Hi, Mark. And Mark waves back. And I'm like, Mark's got it all together. Hi, Mark. You got it all together, don't you? Yeah. How are you? Good. How'd you walk with Jesus? Great. And we're all here. But we don't want to deal with heart issues, so every Sunday we gear up. Because woe to us if anyone really knows what we're struggling with. And so we become what what Captain Crown calls a bunch of plastic people. Right? There's a song called Stained Glass Masquerade. Yeah, right? It goes like this. Is there anyone that fails? Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Because when I take a look around, everybody seems so strong. I know they'll soon discover that I don't belong. So I tuck it all away like everything's okay. 
if I make them all believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I play the part again so everyone will see me the way that I see them. Are we happy plastic people under shiny plastic steeples with walls around our weakness and smiles to hide our pain? But if the invitation's open to every heart that has been broken, maybe then we close the curtain on our stained glass masquerade. Is there anyone who's been there? Are there any hands to raise? Am I the only one who's traded in the altar for a stage? The performance is convincing, and we know every line by heart. Only when no one is watching can we really fall apart. But would it set me free if I dared to let you see the truth behind the person that you imagine me to be? Would your arms be open or would you walk away? Would the love of Jesus be enough to make you stay? Whew. See, guys, that's a challenge. To be transformed, to be open, saying, yes, Lord. And it's not easy. It's scary. It's challenging for all those reasons I listed. And here's the thing. We can give ourselves permission and then ultimately give each other permission to be real. To not have it all together. It's called freedom. It's called freedom, guys. And whether it's here or in a new facility... My passion, my heart for Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, for as long as God would have it in this valley, it is a church of authentic Jesus followers who are not afraid to say, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. And yet we're so scared of what? What are they going to think about me? One of the biggest things in the church is just flat out fear. Fear of what the person next to you is going to think about you. You're scared. I guarantee you, there are people in this room terrified of what the person, your friend, thinks about, would think about you if they really knew. But what do you do with that? What are you doing with that, guys? Many of us just swallow it and we bury it and we live in fear and then we live in discouragement. Then we live in this works mentality and all the while our heart is just yearning to be free. Does anybody, is anybody going to love me right where I am? How many of you would just want someone to love you right where you are? Just quit playing games. We say that sanctification and transformation is a lifetime process. Do you know how long that is? Well, how long is a lifetime process? A lifetime. So give yourself a break. We say, yes, it's lifetime. Yes, until we go see Jesus, it's lifetime. And then we beat ourselves up for not having it perfect today. It's a lifetime. We're working with people who are 90, 90, being challenged with wrong beliefs, which have permeated their life at 90. And praise God, praise God. Their heart was open to receive correction. And like at 90, their life is transformed. At 90, having carried around, around perhaps a faulty worldview 
for decades at 90. At 90. God is saying, hey, will you give that to me? I want that too. I know you're almost coming home, but before you do, I want that too. And at 90 years old, transformation is happening. Guys, it's okay. It really is. We are all in the same journey. And yet, for some reason, this this works and performance and comparison model has seeped into the church and we come and we, and we just want to we compare ourselves. And then the people going to Mexico, oh, they're the real spiritual ones. I could never go to Mexico. Hint. Revelation. Some of these people up here are scared to death. And that is absolutely awesome. They don't have it all together. They don't know what, what, what lies ahead. And that's where, exactly where they need to be. It's humbling. It's just humility. And sometimes we just have to, we have to pick up the phone and make the call. Hey, I need help. Hey, I don't have it all together. Hey, can you, I need someone to listen to me. Hey, can you pray with me? Even very practical things. Sally, twice last week. Hey, I have a lizard in my house. Can you come get it? So now I'm added another thing to my job description. I am the lizard hunter. The first time I brought Nadine and we got the thing in her dining room. The second time it was in her bedroom. Brought Vinny. Couldn't find it. Scoured. See, here's the case. Okay. This is, and this has taken time. I've known Sally almost 17 years since we've been here. Here's how, how close Sally and I are. It was in her bedroom. And, of course, it's a little lizard. So Vinny and I got flashlights and had to look everywhere in her room. <laughs> oh, some of you were like, what? What? The pastor came? Yeah, and, and this is what I did. Now, I don't see it, Sally. Not under, no, not under the dresser either. Can I go in your closet? Oh! No, no, not here, Sally. Not here. No, no, no. Woo! Some of you are like, that's crazy. There's no way I'd call the pastor to come look under my bed in my closet for a lizard. I'll take care of that thing myself. I'll destroy my house before the pastor comes and looks under my bed. How many give it up for Sally for some guts right there? <laughs> the pastor and his son went over every nook and cranny of her bedroom. Didn't find it. Day later she found it. Day or two it reemerged and she got it out by herself. Yeah. That's the point. The point is, after 17 years, she's comfortable enough to say, hey, lizards freak me out. Can you please come? That's, that's a testimony. And it's in my bedroom. And here's a flashlight. Can you look everywhere? It's a wonderful illustration of just being open. 
a wonderful word picture of being open with a need and transparent with the need. And that's, I believe, what Jesus wants us to get to with him. And all the theories about the goodness of God and God is love and all these things that we've talked about, the character and nature of God, why is that important? Because when he comes asking for that next percent and he asks you to step out in faith, you have to trust him. You have to trust in his goodness. You have to trust in his love. You have to trust that he's for you. Because all your emotions and all your past experiences are going to come right up. You can't do that. You've never done that. What are they going to think about you? All the fears, all the failures, all your opinions, everything is going to come right up to that. And then you're going to have to make a choice. Surrender? Faith? Or stay back? Stay back. Transformation is just simply heart choices. So if you're, if you're kind of struggling right now, if you're feeling discouraged and you feel like there's this issue that, uh, 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 maybe today you ask the Lord, say, Lord, what's the heart issue? What's the fear? What's the struggle? Identify the heart issue so then you can surrender that issue. See, we struggle and we beat ourselves up, but we never take that real time to identify it. And you don't identify it to get stuck there and to wallow in the past. You identify it so you can surrender that specific thing. Amen? If you identified it, oh gosh, I didn't realize how fearful I was of what people thought about me. You've just identified what the fear is. You're afraid of ridicule. You're afraid of persecution. You're afraid of being laughed at, whatever. Okay, Lord, thank you for identifying me that I, to identifying to me that I am just so scared of what people are going to think about me. Once you've identified it, you know what you could do? Bring it to him. Bring it to his truth. And let him work his truth into that issue to the point where you're like, okay, thank you, Lord. By faith, I'm going to surrender this. You don't need to continue to wallow and, and live a quiet life of discouragement. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that. Okay? Turn to Hebrews 4 and we're going to close with this. We shared in the past that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Amen? His Word. Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ, a new nature. Amen? And He's always given us everything. There's one additional, beautiful provision God has made. Just as practical as the Bible in your life. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace. Everyone say grace. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Everyone say confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace. To help us in our time of need. You see, when Jesus comes knocking for that next percentage, oh, you better believe it's going to be a time of need. 
because you're going to be scared. And your sin is, nature is going to well up. And all that list of why you can't do it and why you're never going to do it, and it's all going to be there. And you're going to be confronted with a choice. When was the last time in that time of need when you had to make a choice, you went to the throne of grace? Oftentimes we get to that point and we rely on ourselves and then we fail again. And we get to their point again and we fail again. And we feel bad, we feel bad, then we make more resolutions. Da, 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 I'm going to do more, I'm going to do more. And we get in this cycle of try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. And we never go to the throne of grace. You know why? I think because we're scared. We think if I take this issue to God, He's going to be so mad and so disappointed in me. He's going to ask, why are you here again? Why, what's the problem? What's the problem? What is the problem, Cindy? You again? Cindy, didn't we talk about this last month? So we get in this cycle of try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, to the point where we don't even go to God anymore. And we just accept discouragement and failure. We've been given everything we need for life and godliness. According to those verses, and we're going to look more next Sunday, you've been given a high priest. And this high priest is praying for you and making intercession for you. And because of your high priest, you can go to the throne of grace with confidence to find grace, undeserved favor in your time of need. So you know what's going to happen? It says that Jesus was tempted in every way. He's familiar with our weakness. So when you go to the throne of grace, you don't get condemnation. You get understanding. You get compassion. You don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But that's what you get. That is what you get when you come to the throne of grace. Broken, discouraged, angry, confused. You come to Him and you get help in your time of need. You get all of that. And yes, you don't deserve it. Just say thank you. And pour your heart out. God, I blew it again. God, I am terrified of what those people on Sunday are going to think about me. God, I've never done this before. God, I've failed repeatedly. And you know what he's going to say? It's okay. Come sit at the throne of grace. Just come sit with me. It's okay. Because Jesus understands because he was there. You don't get condemnation, you get compassion. And right now, there's a lot of people in this room that just need compassion. You just need it. You don't hate God. You love God, and you want to please Him. I know that. But you're discouraged, and you're frustrated. And this morning, I believe God just says, come to the throne of grace. Come to the throne of grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us do. Let's just, let's just settle that. It's grace. Amen? Come and receive something that the world isn't going to give you. Come to the throne of grace. And it's a crazy thing. Bill, can I use you up there? Close with this. When you come to the throne of grace, look what it says there. Verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Next week we're going to look at this, these verses. But I want to give you this word picture. That word help is a nautical term. In Acts 27, 17, there's a ship in a storm. The storm is so violent that they're afraid that the boards are going to break apart. 
So they, in Acts 27 and 17, they get the rope and they tie rope around the outside of the ship to hold it together. It's called frapping. That verse, that word help, is that same word. And what it means is when your life feels like it's coming apart, when God wants that next 1% and you're like, ah, I can't do it, I can't do it, and you feel like you're just going to burst at the seams, He just says this. And He holds you when your whole world is about to come apart. And here's the thing. He holds you in compassion and grace and mercy. And some of us, when we get this, we don't like it. We just don't like this. We're like, let go of me. Let go of me. Honestly. Let go of me. I don't need help. I don't need help. Who do you think I am? Let go of me. Let go of me. And you know what he's going to hold you? He will never leave you nor forsake you. In compassion, in your help, time of help, He will frap you. He will hold you in grace because He loves you. So this morning, before we take communion, we need to come to the throne of grace. And we're just going to Put the verse up, Shy. There's a verse. And just play some quiet music. And I don't know what that 1% is. I don't know how discouraged you're feeling. I don't know how angry. I don't know where you're at. But if you're like me, there's heart issues. There's heart issues. And this morning, I just want to give you a few minutes to come to the throne of grace, to speak freely, and let your Father know where you're at. And let Him wrap His arms around you. Let Him wrap His arms around you. So I'm going to open up some prayer. We're just going to sit quietly, and you go to the throne of grace. Lord, we thank You. Thank you. That because of our great high priest, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Father, this is a time of need. We just want to literally take time to come to the throne of grace.
Dean Tupster at front. You can continue to pray, but as you feel led, you can just uh, come up and take communion cups and go back to your seat. We're just going to give you this time of, of uh, communion in remembrance of Jesus, but also back in Mark 8. He says, hey, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. Give up all rights to yourself. Turn from your selfish ways. As you come forward, make it through prayer. Make the decision that not only are you coming forward to remember Jesus, but you are coming forward symbolic of a choice to give up all rights to yourself to follow Him.